0: hey everyone welcome back to lash boss radio i'm shelby your host and today i'm joined by wednesday wood you probably know her from her podcast the wicked lash podcast and she's also a salon owner we talk about salon ownership and a lot of other exciting things that she has going on this year so stick around and hope you guys enjoy All right, Wednesday, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I love Austin. I love coming to Austin. I love your podcast. So this was just a win-win situation for me.
0: No, I'm so excited you're here. And you drove all the way from Houston, mm-hmm. which we were just talking about isn't so bad. Just like enjoying that quiet time or listening to what you want to listen to. And yes, yeah. it's
1: actually so cute, like passing like all the Like, I came the 290 way, so when you're passing, like, all the, like, vintage shops and stuff, and Mm -hmm. so cute. By the way, I have a cold drink and a hot drink. I know. I was like, you got two drinks going on.
0: (laughs) I go to Starbucks every morning, and I always want the hot drink, but the reason why I get cold is because it makes sense because I I can't drink the hot drink yet. It takes Mm. a minute. But I want to drink something right away. So I get a cold drink to drink and then the hot drink. But yeah. I like your thinking. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So you're a salon owner. Mm -hmm. There's so many people in this industry that start out and that's something that they really want to do. Is that something that you felt you were going to do when you first started out? Or is that a goal that came about later?
1: So, I, I guess I'll just kind of, like, take it back to, like, 10 years ago. Yeah. I became, right out of high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do, really, and I landed a job as a receptionist at a salon, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll do hair. The thing about me is I never really grew up thinking, like, oh, this is what I want to be when I grew, when I grow up. Like, I never really had, like any goals or aspirations honestly like I know that sounds horrible but I really didn't and so I landed this job as a receptionist at a hair salon and I was like oh maybe I'll do hair whatever it might be easy like it's cute it's fun it's cute everyone dresses nice it's a cool atmosphere Um, and I quickly realized that that (laughs) job would not be for me it was very hectic and Honestly, the thing is like the thing that turned me away from like wanting to do hair was that it took so long that they would only really see like two or three clients a day, which is so funny now because I do lashes. But at the time, long story short, I'll kind of like give you the short version. I ended up going to aesthetic school because there was also aestheticians at that salon. Um And I liked that they, like, with waxing and facials, you kind of just, like, busted people out, like, back and forth, back and forth. So I ended up doing waxing just for a really long time. I worked at so many salons, like, either as a receptionist or a service provider that I kind of realized, like, what not to do. And all of them were ran, like, so poorly that it made me want to open my own salon because I was just, like – okay, I already know like what not to do. And I feel like as a service provider, since I've been the service provider that I would know how to successfully be a salon owner and manager and how to run and manage other service providers. Because most of the time, in most cases, when someone owns a salon, at least in my area, it's really just like a rich person that wants to open a salon. It's not someone that's been in the service provider's shoes before. And that's why I think that it they were always ran so poorly. So to answer your question the long way, yes, I kind of always wanted to open my own salon just to prove that like I can do it. I know how to do it. I know more than y'all like it's going to be successful because I've actually been a service provider. I've actually done the nitty gritty and I just think that's what can make you a successful salon owner.
0: Yes, and being good at business doesn't mean it has to be done in an unethical way or by... um Treating people poorly, yes, and um, not paying them well enough—like you can have yes. all of it if if you do it right. But I do think it's helpful to have the experience as being in their shoes, because you know, I wouldn't want to work for someone like this or a place like this. Mm-hmm. What would I want and have those things? So, I and it that.
1: sucks having someone tell you what to do when they've never even done your job before, right? Exactly.
0: So is there anything that surprised
1: you when you
0: became a salon owner, like good or bad?
1: It it really, it, uh, this probably sounds like a no brainer to most people, but it really is a lot more work than you think it would be. I I seriously thought like, yeah, I can just keep being like a fully booked service provider and still hire people and have people working under me. And like, that's really not the case. I feel like Most of us, you know, start as like whenever we first go out on our own, we're probably like renting a suite or something and we're fully booked. And we're like, oh my God, I'm so booked. I'm turning clients away. I keep raising my prices and my clients keep staying with me. I need to just hire an apprentice or hire someone under me to take all my overflow. And like, I'm going to make so much money and it's going to be so amazing. (laughs) But it's not as simple as that. Like, you, this is probably a hot take or an unpopular opinion. I don't know. But something I've learned is you can't, be a fully booked service provider and still manage employees and try to grow their businesses and try to grow their books and make sure they're handling customer service the correct way and make sure that they are up to date on their techniques and they're up to your standards. You can't do that when you're sitting in a chair all day taking care of other clients. So you either have to hire a manager or you're going to have to let go of some of your clients and cut your schedule down in order to make sure your other girls can flourish. Mm -hmm. So that was something that really hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh, I can't just, like, keep doing my full schedule and have other girls working under me. It's kind of like having kids. Like, you really have to pay attention to them 24-7. They're working for you for a reason. They need your guidance.
0: Mm -hmm. For the people that are in that situation where they are fully booked and they're like, okay, I'm ready to get a bigger space, start hiring people. What would you say is the net what they're looking at if they decide like to try and do those things to try and let me be the janitor, let me be the
1: receptionist, let me be the
0: trainer, et cetera, and the service provider.
1: If I could go back in time, I would, like, maybe... First of all, I would probably start with just hiring one person at a time at first, which is what I did, and kind of figure out your strengths and weaknesses as a manager. Um, Kind of try to get a system down, because I, like, have this whole, like studio handbook like typed out and like everything all structured and stuff before I hired my first employee and I didn't really know what I was getting myself into but like that's gonna change because you don't know what you don't know so I would maybe just start out with hiring one person and like kind of let them know like hey this is my first time ever hiring someone Um, you know please feel free to give me feedback and um, we can kind of just try to figure out together what works best for us and try to just like trial and error things even though this is like someone's career but I mean chances are if you're hiring someone you've already like been in their shoes you've built your own books before you've grown your own books before so you know how to help someone else but I would just be super transparent like this is my first time ever hiring someone we're kind of gonna go through this together um hold on what was the question again (laughs) sorry yeah um cut that
0: so uh what would it look like if they Uh didn't do that like if they were just like I can do this like I would take on everything okay so
1: everything I just said and then um I had a point where I was going with this um like if they tried to overload themselves yeah, what happens okay yeah so I would definitely like I said just start with one person and kind of see from there But chances are you are going to probably have to either cut your clientele in half once you get that first person trained. And maybe even like if I could go back in time, I would just like make that person like my lead lash artist or something like that and kind of train them and perfect their skills. And they can kind of help. They can kind of take all of your clients. That way you can take a step back from the chair And then focus on training the rest of your team, being a manager. Because for me, I don't know if you have a studio manager. That's probably something like I, at this point in my life, well, I know you have like 50,000 more things on your plate than I do. But at this point in my life, I would rather give up my clients than hire a studio manager because I would rather be in charge of like the customer service and all that stuff. But if you don't want to get rid of your clients, then you might have to bring on like a receptionist or a studio manager or something like that. Like you really can't do all the things.
0: Yeah. You'll end up running yourself really ragged. And, um, I know that that's something that I did and it ended up creating so many issues because I was like, I can do all of this by myself. Mm-hmm. And I do agree. It's nice to be like the manager yourself, because you're so close to each um, different thing in the business. Because you're not seeing clients, and then who knows? You might have somebody that really steps up and would be perfect for mm-hmm. that role, but you don't know until you you see that, and you can't see it unless you're not really working on
1: people, right? Exactly. Yeah, and you can end up if you like you said like run yourself rampant and make yourself burnt out you can end up like resenting your business and like just want to throw the whole thing away and start over so i think it's really good to try to bring someone on to help you with all that overload because we are just one person and you can't take care of clients all day take care of employees and then in some cases like we're also moms so one thing has to give and most of the time you're probably going to have to give up some of your clients and that's fine.
0: And it and it will work out. I mean, is if you have the extra time to train mm-hmm. other people then it will it will actually work out. Mm-hmm. But if there is a weird transition period where it's like You haven't fully finished training someone, but you also need that time to do that. So you need to step away from clients. So it is interesting. I recommend also maybe doing a price increase right before Mm -hmm. for your services at least. And then maybe you'll lose a few clients from that. And then or they can go to the new girl who's like under your wing. You can see my new girl, I'm going to be with her the whole time. You'll pay this price or I'm going to be now at this price. And that might help like if they're in that transition, right?
1: Yes. And then something else I was going to say is I feel like a lot of us are like so worried about money. Like I can't stop taking clients because this is the one thing that's keeping my salon afloat. But like I have to train these other girls, too, because like I have to make money and like money this and money that. And like I get it. Money is super important. And I'm kind of talking to my past self here as well. But if that's something that's super going to stress you out, then make sure you have your financials in order before you bring on these employees. Because adding employees is not like an automatic like cash injection to your business bringing on employees is an investment so make sure you have savings make sure you have all your debt paid off like it's something you might lose money at first bringing on employees because you have to buy a bunch of products they probably have to take a lot of model sets you know you have to be okay with like hey I'm gonna like lose some money at first I might not like I might see a decrease in revenue for a couple months and like that's fine. Like at the end of the day, I know we start businesses to make money, but not everything's about money. It's okay to make an investment and in bringing on a team in order for your business to grow in the long run. You have to think about the long term. So if you're going to be super stressed about money, then maybe have like a little cushion cushion set aside and have some bills paid off.
0: Yes, and all the more reason to make sure your in the position to fully give everything to the people that you're bringing on. Otherwise, you're going to lose a lot of money doing mm-hmm. that in a lot of different ways, like with clients, with um, with the training hours and everything. It, Yeah, you can definitely, especially if you hire too many people at once or something, that's a really fast way to lose money. Yes, you'll have much money real <laughs> fast doing that. Um, so you also have a podcast. I do. You have episodes that come out every Wednesday. Yes,
1: so funny. <laughs> yes, the Wicked Lash podcast.
0: How is that? Um. And it also, same question about that. Is there anything that surprised you?
1: Oh my God, it is so much work. I actually, I'm going to have a little fangirl moment right here. I've been listening to your podcast like ever since it first came out. So this is a crazy full circle moment for me. But <laughs> I remember like you and Paul, I think it was your 100th episode and y'all were kind of talking about it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this because I really want to start a podcast. And I remember both of y'all being like, it is so much more work than you think it is. It really is. And I think at that point, like both of, I don't know, like both of y'all have already had help with it, but I'm, I'm still the only person doing it. And I'm like, how hard can it be? Like, it's not that hard. Like you just record it and like edit it. It's not a big deal, but it really does take a long time and it's crazy like how much time we spend on something for like a, we're not like it's we're not necessarily getting paid for it yeah. but it does build trust with your audience and um it helps build that connection. So I think like yeah, we don't like necessarily like get paid for every time we post an episode but in the long run it does help our businesses. So I do think it is a really good tool to have and Another thing is like it doesn't necessarily have to be perfect like how me and you were just talking about you were like I used to record it like in my bed like I only just now started doing this in a studio and like yours was super successful even though you were just recording it in your bed so people ask me all the time like what microphone do I get how do I edit it how do I host my podcast like oh my goodness like what do I do where do I even start and it's like it it does not have to be perfect. At all. But yes, the one thing that did surprise me was it really is a lot more work than you think it would be. But it is fun nonetheless, because I like to think of myself as like kind of like a computer nerd. So I genuinely like love being on the computer and like editing. And then you also have to like create like content out of your podcasts in order to promote it. So right. that's something that always gets me set behind too. Is like, I'm like, oh my God, yes, I just edited it, but now I need to get on Canva and like make stuff for it to post on my Instagram or no one's going to know that I even have an episode out. So it really, it takes just a lot longer than you think it would.
0: Right. And then at the time that you're promoting this episode, you're also needing to think about recording your next one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is a lot, but I agree. it's It's really fun. And I think if you're somebody, even with the salon ownership thing, if somebody can't talk you out of it with saying like, oh, it's going to be like this and oh, you need to mm-hmm. watch out for that and and all of these things could go this way. If somebody can't talk you out of something, then it's calling you probably. Mm-hmm. So if you're somebody that is kind of thinking how you were like, okay, how hard could it be? Then, okay, maybe you're meant to do it mm-hmm. because it's not for everyone, but there are certain things that I feel like kind of call us. And yeah, I think if somebody can't talk you out of business ownership or Certain projects or something, then it's meant for you.
1: Yeah, and I had a uh, I had someone ask me that owns her own business. It's not a lash business; it's a different business. And she asked me not too long ago, like, okay, like how, like I want to start a podcast. But like, how much time does it take? And like, how much money do you make off of it? And I'm like, I don't make any money off of it. But honestly, this is gonna sound really cheesy, but I don't care. So I started it in January, I believe. So, LashCon. In November was the first time I had, like, been to a Lash event since I dropped my podcast. And just the amount of people that, like, came up to me. I'm sure you experienced this, too. Like, I listen to your podcast. I love it so much. Like, it's really—it's so funny because there were people that, like, didn't even, like, know my face or anything. I'm just like, yeah, like— Uh, my name's Wednesday, they're like, oh my god, I listen to your podcast. And I'm just like, yeah, that's me. And just like how much it's helped their business or like motivated them. Or like, I've had people tell me after listening to your podcast, like I went and like signed a lease on my first commercial space and like stuff like that. And I'm like, that means more to me than getting a cash injection from it.
0: Yeah, I was with you certain times whenever we would be walking at LashCon and somebody would say, they'd say, oh, my God, I love your podcast. (laughs) And there was some times where they'd be they'd like kind of look over at me and oh, yeah, yours is cool, too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, But yeah, it's it's so cool to like be out in the wild and um, talk to people that listen. Mm -hmm. And there's so many lash artists that listen to podcasts and they love lash podcasts because they're working and getting Mm -hmm. all of this information we're usually like
1: alone all day working so it kind of makes you feel like you're not alone yeah
0: I love it and there's so many more lash podcasts than there was in the beginning too so yeah so in 2023 what lash trends do you think are going to kind of take over
1: someone just messaged me yesterday saying like hey do you know anyone that can do these types of lashes and it was like the like an anime set Mm. which i think it's just like if i'm not mistaken i feel like it's just like a super textured like wet lash look with like dramatic like increases between the texture like probably like 15 millimeter peaks and like 10 millimeter in between like that big of a jump but it's called like anime lashes and anime set i feel like a lot of people are going to start doing that um And then, yeah, I feel like the wet lash look and just, like, texture, messy, like, natural but messy, which kills my OCD mind because I'm, like, a top-line, perfect-line girl for life. But, like, no one wants that anymore. Everyone wants, like, the messy bun lashes, I feel like. Yeah. I – one of
0: the – the things I said was like the angel lash mm-hmm. set, you know? Yes. And um, it's basically the wet look too. But mm-hmm. I actually like how um, Maddie from Lightheart Lash does them because she still does them really clean. Yes. And I really like people that, or I really like lash artistry that is very tapered at the corners and is just a very clean shape. Mm-hmm. I don't actually like messy. Me either at all but like I feel like even with the texture even with the um you know unfanning stuff I really am liking how that looks Mm -hmm. and I think that so when at first when I actually saw it I was like oh what could um we call that if we start offering that and then it's almost like it's kind of taken over I don't know if you've seen like her videos but they have like a million something views I know so clients are probably just going to ask for that and it's gonna be like, I think the new name.
1: She like created a new lash style. Yeah. Like that's and amazing. I th- and I
0: really think the name is gonna be that. Mm-hmm. I I think people might try to call it something else, but I think that's gonna be the name.
1: And it's yeah. a cute name. It's yes. fine. Yeah. But I like I think it's like because it is like the wet lash look, but it's like using point threes mm-hmm. and it gives it like it gives it like a more feathery look. Yes.
0: So soft, so feathery. Mm -hmm. You're right. Whereas when I was seeing the wet look everywhere, it was more like it literally looked like wet lashes. Yes. These don't look like that. Mm -mm. And so, yeah, I really do. I like that. I know. I kind
1: of want to get like my mega volume taken off and like get like ask one of my employees to do that on me. I think it'll look really Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. And that's another thing, too, is like I feel like dramatic. Like I literally am wearing like 15 millimeter lashes. Like I feel like dramatic lashes are like kind of going out of style. Like everyone, what is it on TikTok? Like the clean girl aesthetic and like the Hailey Bieber aesthetic, like Bella Hadid, like whatever they're calling it on um, TikTok. But yeah, Yeah. I feel like that's what what everyone's going for right now. The thin eyebrows are coming back. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So
0: that's like in the next year, what do you think what direction do you think the um, lash industry is going in the next several years? We've seen a ton of changes mm-hmm. in the last few years. You've been in the industry quite a while, right? You've been in the beauty industry.
1: Ten years. Ten years. I've been doing lashes six years. Okay.
0: So especially in the last like five or so years, mm-hmm. it has changed a lot. Do you feel like there's going to be any other big transitions in the next few years with lashes?
1: I definitely it's already like kind of happening. Like most stuff is like going online now. We're just like living in a digital world. So I feel like more online courses, more online like seminars. Like I actually right before I got here, I just got asked to be on an online seminar type thing kind of like how you used to do with Mm. the lash boss lash boss conference i did all the time (laughs) yes um so i feel like just and then like how trina just came out with like the digital like forms like you can do all your like consent form or i already do my consent forms online but she does like her mapping like on her ipad and you can like send that to your clients and like just all that kind of stuff i feel like everything is like turning like so digital which is amazing um it's so easy to like consume content and take courses that way, which is amazing. And, like, even, like, Allie from Lash Anarchist, like, she's doing, like, her, she's doing, like, live Lash trainings on Zoom right now, which is, like, so cool. I love that everything's going online because, like I said, I I love being on the computer. So, the fact that, like, I know I can start, I do have a couple of online courses, but just, I can pretty much, like, turn my whole, like, curriculum and put it online. Like, that sounds amazing. And then, like I said, just, like, the natural, like, clean girl aesthetic when it comes to, like, beauty trends in general. Like, the lashes, the eyebrows, the makeup, like... I don't know. I feel like I'm still stuck in like 2014. Like I love like the full coverage. I love filling in my eyebrows. I love my lashes to be super mega volume. I'm just like an extra person. So I don't know how I feel about necessarily conforming to the clean girl aesthetic, but I feel like that is what everyone's wanting right now. They just want to look as natural as possible. Even like, I mean, classic lashes are making a comeback. Like I feel like I mean, I took classic lashes completely off my menu, but my employees, like that's what everyone wants when they book with them, like classic lashes or like the wet lash look. Mm
0: -hmm. I think what you said about going online, I I agree with that too. I think we're going to see a lot more social events going on Mm -hmm. with lashes and that's what we spend our money on getting to go to in person. And then as long as you already know how to isolate, how to Mm -hmm. apply iPads and really apply lashes safely you can really take any technique online pretty much um but I do think that conferences and lash social events those things are still gonna be yes
1: they still have their place because there's nothing like making those connections and like networking in person and like meeting your lash idols Mm -hmm.
0: exactly well we just came back from um the lash Lash bash bash and um Yeah, we were like talking and I was like, why don't you just drive to Austin next week and like we can record. And yeah, those things happen whenever Mm -hmm. you like see your lash friends and stuff more often. And you shared with me that you're thinking of putting on an event. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit about that, like your ideas and everything?
1: Yes, it's still very much in the early stages. I'm shooting for like fall of 2023, but basically what I'm wanting to do is because I also have like I have a large following of like people that are have other businesses that are not just lashes like hair like aesthetic injectors or like photographers, videographers, real estate agents, like people that just have their own businesses in general and they follow me for like business advice and even listen to my podcast for like business advice because anything I talk about, about my lash business, it can like pretty much be applied to any type of business. So what I'm wanting to do in Houston this fall is kind of have like a business seminar. I haven't found a name for it yet. I'm juggling between a few names, but I want it to be for like, Even if you don't even have a business yet, maybe you are working for someone else and trying to think about starting your own business. I want anyone to be able to come to this event and be like, "Okay, I know how to start my own business now. I have everything I need. Um, And then or if you do have your own business and you're just like kind of stagnant and not growing and not sure what steps to take you can go to this event and walk away with like actionable steps on how to scale your business. So I just wanted it to be business related in general. Like I do have some speakers lined up already. I don't want to announce it yet, but the topics be like marketing, branding, um, becoming an educator, like how to like build your own curriculum and position yourself as an educator and um, legal stuff, tax stuff, like just stuff that I feel like a lot of people Go to beauty school, and they're like, okay, I'm gonna start my own business. And but they don't really know that it's a lot more than just knowing how to do the services and knowing how to check out your clients. Like, there's so much more that goes into it. So, I just wanna create like a one day seminar where you can literally learn all of those things.
0: I love that. And I think it's cool also that you're mixing industries a little bit too, because it really is inspiring to people to hear from other, the way that other people think about our industry, or you think of something a little differently whenever you hear it coming from someone else that's not necessarily in our industry. I think a mix of both is is nice. You also said something about how people go to beauty school and they aren't really well equipped with the things that they need to legally do their business the right way and mm-hmm. make sure they have all their ducks in a row so it's really nice for people even who are brand new to the industry to go take a business conference type of thing because it'll show them really quickly what they need to do and do it the right way and not have to you know go through the those periods of like trying to figure it out themselves and stuff I hired a lawyer when I first started mm-hmm. and I got everything done that way but it was super expensive and I also just had a really hard time figuring out what all was needed yes like I kind
1: of want people instead of like having to take all these like little mini courses like I want people to be able to go to this and learn literally everything they need to know in one day and obviously I mean it is going to be a lot of information but you will have those connections with those speakers if you need and I mean I'm talking this is only going to be like around like 80 to 100 people so it's going to be very close knit and you will make those connections with the speakers in case you need to follow up with them about something else. Um, And then also the thing about mixing industries is it can also be a good networking event because what if you're a hairstylist that goes there and you meet a videographer or you meet a lawyer and like you're meeting you're making those connections that you can later use to grow your business.
0: I love that. That's a great idea. And it's a one-day thing, Mm -hmm. you're thinking, right? Yes, I think so.
1: Starting small this year, maybe in the future, it can be as big as LashCon. We'll see. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Same thing with Lash Boss Summit. I'm doing it two days, and it's only 200 people. So uh, same same idea, like starting small. I like the close-knit
1: environment.
0: Okay. So we're in a new year and we've got a lot of lash artists who are wanting to grow their businesses this year. What are a couple things that you really recommend that a lash artist
1: has in place um, to do so? I love that. So definitely think, I feel like a lot of artists like focus, spend all their time and energy on Instagram to get new clients, which like Instagram can be a tool, but honestly, at least when it comes to my salon, most of our new clients find us through like Google and our website. So definitely have a Google My Business page set up if you don't already. It's free. It's just so your business is on Google and people can leave you reviews on there and all your information is on there. Um but also having a website, I feel like it's super underrated. I know so many service providers that don't have a website, even if you're a solo service provider, you can still have a website. And I'm not talking about just like your booking site or your Facebook, like having a professional website really will make you stand out from other people in your area. And then having professional pictures on there too. And like I was talking about earlier about investments, it is an investment, but it is so worth it in the long run to So I would say like the two biggest things I would say that will set you apart from like other people in your area and help grow your business is to have a professional photo shoot, like a brand shoot. And you can use those photos like on your Instagram or to hang on your salon, but you can hang in your salon as like decor, but you can also have them on your website. That's going to make you stand out. And then just having a website in general, because not everyone wants to like dig through your Instagram to try to find out what your policies are, how to book with you, what your location looks like. Um having all of that stuff just like nicely packaged on your website and like all of your different services, what they entail, what to expect before your appointment. And then piggybacking off of that, if you have a an online booking site already, like I use Vagaro for example and I have um just like an auto- anytime someone books, I have an automated email that goes out letting them know like how to prepare for the appointment, what our policies are, any frequently asked questions, pictures of our studio, how to find our studio, where to park, what to do when you get there. And I know it sounds like okay, that like what what does that have to do with growing your business? but standing apart from the other people around you that are doing the same thing as you and, Setting yourself apart and being different and looking more professional is going to help you grow your business.
0: Right. Because those clients, when they see that email, they're going to kind of be rest assured that they chose the right place. Mm -hmm. They're going to have a great experience, obviously, because the lashes they get are going to be awesome. They're going to last a long time. You're also going to send a similar email, I'm sure, at the end of the appointment or follow up in some way. And they're just going to have all of these positive experiences with you in your business. And so they're going to tell their friends about it. But if it was kind of like bland, Mm -hmm. it was just so-so, you're not going to get the same reaction, I think, emotionally. And so, yeah, those little things that are automated, Mm -hmm. that isn't really any more work continuously, it's just upfront work. I think that's a great idea. Great tip. Um,
1: And if anyone needs help with that, I am (laughs) starting a little, I don't want to say a side business, but I'm starting like a new business. In addition to my business, Um, I am starting like a web design and graphic business. If anyone needs help with building an online booking site or refreshing their current website or building a new website, anything like that. And I already have like some have some templates you can buy, too, already for Canva. Like, if you need a new business card, new aftercare cards, um, new referral cards. Just looking professional and standing out from – because everyone says, like, oh, the lash industry is so oversaturated. There are Mm -hmm. so many lash artists. Mm -hmm. Just stand out. And be professional and try to rise above all those people that you think are your competition and that will help you grow your business.
0: I agree with that. And also, if you think about any of the times that you're looking for a business to go to, whether it's like something for your car or your home or something, um, you look on Google mm-hmm. and you start clicking on the first ones that are popping up. And I don't I judge the website and if it looks like a stock photo or if it's just kind of like the font is like Times New Roman Mm -hmm. and it just is really no personality. But then the next website I click on it's infused with like personality and like a feeling and you you see about the company and you kind of see like what it looks like and who the people are. I'm going to that place. Yeah. I, and it's not even about the price or anything. It's just about I like to choose places that make me feel safe or, like, comfortable or I kind of get their vibe already. I don't want to just show up somewhere where I don't really know what to expect. It just looks Yeah, and
1: like businesses that are actually like putting in the effort to make themselves look presentable and like a legitimate business. Like, if you can't put your time and effort into that, then like, how are your services gonna be? You know, that's my thought process. You can be the best, like, lash artist ever, but if you're not like running your business like a business or treating it like a business, then people might not want to come to you. That's just how it is. Yeah,
0: that is a good point, too, because. One business cares a lot about their, like, image and presentation, so they probably care a lot about the service that mm-hmm. they're giving, like you're saying, and the experience that they're providing, where this one, if you have a bad experience or something and you and you tell them about it, they're going to say, who cares? We obviously don't care about anything else anyways, but this one is going to obviously probably not do that in the first place, but let's say something did go awry, you know that they would care enough to, like... Find a solution or something.
1: Yeah, it even kind of goes into like a lot of people are scared to raise their prices. Like, I don't want to charge that much because I don't, I'm scared like people aren't going to want to come to me. But there are people like me, and I'm sure you're the exact same way is like you're going to willingly pay more money for something because you know that it's going to come with, like, a better experience. And it even, like, for an example, yesterday when I was choosing a hotel to stay in in Austin, like, I'm purposely going to look for hotels that are, like, 100 to $200 plus dollars a night just because I know I'm going to get a better experience. Like, I don't want something that's under $100 a night. And people are going to be the same way with their services.
0: Exactly. And with services, too. Think of the last time— you got your hair done.
1: Do you even really know how much you paid? I have, I have no idea how much me I paid. Like she just hands me the iPad and then I click 25% tip and I'm like, okay. Like I don't care. Same
0: with my nails. Like I just get my nails painted or – but I honestly don't know. And if there was ever like a sign posted that said our prices are going up, I don't, I don't even know how much that was. Yeah. But I don't remember what I paid last time. And I think when it comes to – People that appreciate the experience and how it looks in the end, um, those are the clients that you're trying to market to. So I think it matters what we're saying in our website and what we're saying on our social media pages about our services. It's not about the discount or the price or something. It's actually about the experience and about the problems you're solving by getting mm-hmm. the service done and stuff, you know? A thousand percent. So for any Lash artists that are wanting to connect with you or listen to
1: your podcast, how can they do that? So my Instagram is Wednesday the Lasher and my podcast is the Wicked Lash Podcast. You can find it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then if you have any questions about like the web design or templates or anything like that, you can just shoot me a DM. I did already create like a new account for my web design, but I haven't like fully launched it yet. So if you need to find me, I will be on Wednesday the Lasher on Instagram. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you.